Good evening and welcome to tonight's stream. I've got a lot of things on my mind that I need to get off my mind. And uh, I was quite shocked. I saw this news item of whatever you want to call it, this development of sorts, and just absolutely felt like I had to weigh in on it. I don't know. Um, you know, generally people flock to this channel because they like all the misfits, Sam Hain, Danzig content. We do a lot of punk content on the channel. We talk about the Ramones. We talk about the pistols. We talk about a lot of things, a lot of different things in me, both, you know, music, movies, media, philosophy, history, this, that, and the other. Um, one thing we have not spoken about a lot on this channel even though I've mentioned in passing that I happen to be a uh, ginormous sublime fan. I've always have been a very embarrassing tattoo of the sun that I'm not going to show right here in my chest. That's how much I love this band. I really do really, really do um, spent my, my formative teenage years listening to sublime. It's very, uh, um, <laughs> I don't even want to say what it's very dot, dot, dot of, of me uh, in terms of describing <laughs> who and what I am. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, those were kind of like the bands, you know, as much as I was into punk rock and, you know, misfits and this, that, and the other, you know, on the other side of the coin, I just, I love sublime. I love how eclectic they were. Sublime introduced me to bands like the bad brains, you know, and I guess I knew who the descendants were, but I really got familiar with their music through the covers that Sublime would do. Um, you know, it's funny. A lot of Sublime's music, you know, it's easy to say that Sublime, all, you know, Sublime covered a lot of songs, but that's not quite true. They didn't quite. It wasn't. It's so they did so much more than just cover, you know, songs and bands that they really love. They reinterpreted it i guess that's what a cover is right no it's just not the right word though it's just not the right vernacular for what sublime did to that music they they fused it and you know repurposed it and you know they're very influenced by as much as they were influenced by the bad brains they were you know stuff like, like bands like fishbone you know what i mean who are also doing something very similar you know one minute ska the next minute heavy metal the next minute funk like just in a blender, you know? Uh, and I guess that's what I love so much about sublime is they also made these, these types of music more accessible for me, you know, a, a prism, whatever that that's my own personal relationship with the band. I just love, I love the band for that. I love the, you know, it's so funny how they're like the only punk jam band. They're a jam band but they're also like a punk band all at the same time. You don't think of punk bands really jamming or freestyling or, you know, this, that, and the other. And like, even, even a band like the bad braids, you know, just in the sense of like them slowing things down and going to reggae. It's like, it's like Bradley. Noah. I said this before, cause we've done one other sublime episode on this channel where we talked about, um, we read from this article in the ringer where we just talked about the last days of sublime very good article. Very, very long episode. You can check that out if you want. It's uh, it's somewhere on the channel. Um, but the idea that like, it's almost like the 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 ska up 
up up picking, whatever you want to call it, is the missing link between punk rock and reggae. That's what allows you to shift in the spectrum. And Bradley Noel kind of cracked that code, you know. And yeah, like I said, he was it's not like he was the first guy to really do it because again, you had bands like Fishbone and Bad Brains who were blending and combining genres, and you know, one second Bad Brains are you know, ferociously spewing, you know, House of Babylon or Attitude or Fearless Vampire Killers. And the next minute they're talking about I Love I Ja, Leaving This Babylon, this, that, and the other. So it's kind of interesting. It's just kind of, it's all kind of interesting where, where, but, but, you know, again, and then it's funny, like in terms of the parallels, because we're going to be talking about parallels as well. The irony you know, I love these two bands, The Misfits and Sublime, and they have a lot in common with each other, or they have some stuff in common with each other. They have, they both have this incredible, and the reason why I'm bringing up The Misfits in a show that really shouldn't be about Misfits is because, you know, their histories, the histories kind of run parallel in, in certain ways, in certain ways. You have, um, <clears throat> You have two bands with just this great artistic sense, this great visual aspect to their music. Um, the places where they come from have become like historic footnotes. You know, Long Beach, California is the sublime in the way that Lodi, New Jersey is to the Misfits. You know, they both were around for a finite period of time. The Misfits are around for about seven years. And, you know, they say Sublime started in 86, but really, I don't know, in my, I, from what I've read and studied and learned about this band, I mean, they really started in 88. That's when the band really fuses together, comes together. So they both were roughly around for the same period of time. They also hold one more distinction uh, uh, that's noteworthy in that they both have secondary iterations of the band that divide fans where, you know, the fans are split. There are some fans that are super stoked that the, the band is back. I say that in quotation marks. If you're listening to this on the podcast via Spotify, the band is back and they're, they're out playing shows and they're keeping the music alive versus the the purists who are like no the band was this thing and when this thing left the band the band no longer existed which then brings me to you know the rules and what are these rules there's no actual rules but it's like kind of like it's a philosophy right it's like a sort of an, an understanding of like what makes a band a band and i think like what gives a band an identity that they go by the name of that band? And when does that change? At what point does do things within that band alter in a way where you no longer can go by that name? In the case of the Misfits, Glenn Danzig left the band that he fronted and Jerry and Doyle continued on without him and got a new singer. And most people would tell you, myself included, that's they never should have called themselves the misfits. It's not really the misfits. The mis you need Glenn Danzig and Jerry only for it to be the misfits. And by the same token, the heart and soul of Sublime, the heart and soul of Sublime was Bradley Noel. You know, um, what 
what um what place what what uh what contributions did eric wilson and bud ga have to sublime i don't know sublime as well as i know the misfits and their history and their inner workings i've interviewed a lot of the former members of the misfits and people in the periphery and really just you know really people have called me an amateur historian of the misfits and i think it's a, an appropriate title i really do feel like a historian i really do feel like i've studied the history of that band and know know them inside and out as well as one can as a fan in the age of the internet, in the age of talking to people and interviewing people, I can't say the same for Sublime, but I've, I've read a lot about Sublime and, um, but I don't know to what extent Eric Wilson and Bud Ga were the creative driving force in Sublime. I know Eric Wilson most certainly contributed writings. I'm pretty sure it was Eric who came up with his own bass parts and I'm pretty sure Bud Ga came up with his own drum parts. I'm pretty sure that those guys jammed out those songs until those songs became those songs. And that's how that band kind of functioned. Even if Brad, you know, again, Brad, Brad's bringing all these different influences, bringing all these, these, these songs and incorporating, like doing these half original half cover songs, essentially is what they are. And the mentality comes from, you know, a mentality that they have in Jamaica in Jamaica with Jamaican and Caribbean music, dance hall and reggae and all these things. This idea of this thing that I'm going to sound like such a white boy with what I'm about to say. What's up, crazy white boy? Speaking of white boys, crazy white boys saying, wow, I didn't think they could use the name. Um, this idea of deridum, deridum, it's called deridum. And it's a colloquialism for rhythms, different rhythms in the same way that with hip hop, you can have people can get a beat, you get a beat and you rap, you free, you riff, you freestyle your own thing over that beat. You know what I'm saying? And it could be the same beat. And I feel like that's what Brad, that's the most, that's the, that's the super unique, interesting thing that Brad brought musically where, Hey, what's up, Aaron? How are you? Where, where Brad is, Going like, I'm going to do, you know, every day I love it just a little bit more. Like he's like doing a little Barrington Levy. And then it turns into his own song. And then he goes back into the Barrington Levy song. He did that. I mean, you look, if you look at the songwriting credits and all these sublime songs, you will see that there's partial songwriting credit from so many people because that's, they, 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 they're just, they borrowed. That's what, you know, the idea of the boss DJ, we're DJs, we're just, we're picking up things that we like and we're imprinting ourselves onto these things that we like and repackaging it through our own arrangements and our own style, our own style as they say out in the West Coast, you know, and doing doing this thing, bringing our own flavor into it. You know what I mean? Um, and that primarily is Brad, right? Bradley Noah, who is the front man, guitar player, lead singer pretty much soul singer of the band um now the reason why i'm bringing that up is because to go back again we were talking about rules criteria what are the rules and criteria for what make a band a band i you have you have front man you have founding member you have singer songwriter or just songwriter and you have i don't know creative director maybe these are all elements that make a band a band by the given band name now 
There's no subject. There's, there's no concrete. If your lead singer leaves, that doesn't mean you have to stop being said band. If one of your songwriters leaves, that doesn't necessarily have to mean that you stop after being that band. A lot, it's very subjective. A lot of questions come up. How many songwriters are in the band? Who founded the band? Did the founding member, who's also the singer-songwriter, leave? You can't call that band the band anymore. That's not the band anymore. Glenn Danzig founded the Misfits, brought Jerry in, and they became the Misfits the, together with, with Manny. That, that was the, the core, the, the, the founding of the Misfits. Glenn wrote all the lyrics. Glenn, Glenn wrote just about all the music or most of the music. And Glenn leaves... You can't call that the Misfits anymore. You got to call it another name. And by the same token, if your singer, songwriter, frontman, vocalist, founding member dies of a heroin overdose tragically, you can't call yourself Sublime anymore. You can't. You can't do it. And now let's let's kind of like backtrack a little bit here just for a second because I just want to sort of highlight what I remember happening. Well, I guess first let's pull this up. So this is from Sublime Wiki. Shout out to Sublime Wiki on Facebook. I'm going to share this real quick because they they laid this out in such a nice little chart. And I mean, what am I going to sit here? You're going to see me, my comment and my, my link over here. Look, they have a nice little chart here. Sublime, what happened? 1986 to 1996, May 1996, Bradley Noah passes away, August 1996. The band announces on K-Rock that they will no longer be using the name Sublime as, as is appropriate, right? As is the, the right thing to do. In 2009, the impossible happens. And it's so surreal because think about that. From 96 to 2009, seems like such a long, long period of time. That's only, it's roughly 13 years. And it's been 14 years since Sublime with Rome has been around. Isn't that strange? Thank you for the, thank you for the skulls. That's right. Kind of like gutter mouth with no mark. There is no gutter mouth. I don't know gutter mouth enough. I do like gutter mouth. Can I borrow some ambition? But do not know gutter mouth well enough to, to weigh in on that. But yes, I suppose it would be. So, so it's kind of weird to think that Sublime with Rome has been around as long as the interim between when the original Sublime ended and the Sublime, a band calling themselves Sublime, played their first show. I remember this. I remember on MySpace, I think it was Bud Gah said, something's going down in Reno. You're not, you're going to, Shoot yourself in the foot if you miss this. You do not want to miss this. And, you know, I was in college at the time and I was living in Chicago and I legitimately considered flying out to Reno for 36 hours. I looked at, I was looking at flights and everything because I had a, the strangest inkling feeling that Eric Wilson and Bud Gah were going to attempt to play Sublime music under the name Sublime. You know, now, at that time, remember, it, it was like a fucking desert, dude. Like, there are all these bands that are trying. And that's the other thing I, that I forgot to mention about running parallel between the Misfits and Sublime. The Misfits, essentially, Glenn Danzig with the Misfits, Jerry only, a whole genre of music, horror punk, basically sprang from this one band. This one band 
created a whole subgenre, a whole subculture, and a whole a whole scene, a whole thing, a whole aesthetic just from their band. And the same exact thing happened with Sublime out in California. You had all sorts of copy, uh, cookie cutter, copycat bands. Pepper was one of them. I remember um, you just have all these bands just trying to friggin' package that, that very original slash derivative because the, like, as we described what, what those guys would do with other people's songs, this very unique, thing that sublimed in then everybody started to try and copy it you know because this crazy thing happened and in the way that again another parallel here's this underground thing misfits underground and all of a sudden metallica starts wearing misfit shirts and their exposure just explodes they're still a cult band they're still an underground thing but they have they're suddenly introduced to all these these metalheads are suddenly introduced to this this concept that is the misfits. For Sublime, they end their their final their first official studio album, like in a proper studio, having signed a record deal for which they were in a million dollars of debt for, um, goes platinum six times. They break out, they burst out, they basically they don't. They don't do what Dookie did and they don't quite do what Nirvana did on the same on that level on that scale but they 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 explode this this very underground sort of thing explodes onto the mainstream and suddenly everybody knows the song Santeria and everybody knows everybody knows all their music what I got everything it just becomes so and of course, it gets adopted by a lot of uh, terrible, um, you know, you got college frat, you know, culture, uh, just like all this, the worst, some of the worst people. <laughs> so this sublime, it's just so bad. It's hard to be a sublime fan sometimes. It really is. It really, really is. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I want to, slightly stupid, I want to give them kind of a pass in the sense that you could say that they ripped off sublime, but like, man, those kids were 15 and 16 and they knew Brad and they, they, their first album as 15 and 16 year olds were on skunk records, right? Like that, you know, Brad played on one of their songs. Like they knew they like, Brad was like their mentor. I, I don't, I do not hold that against them. I don't think of them as like totally derivative. Like maybe they're derivative of sublime, but like, I don't, I mean, again, it's like those dudes were heavily influenced in like, in a kind of a really valid sort of way, in my opinion, comparatively speaking to some other ones, you know? So I can't really, I, I can't really uh, fault them for that. I'm not going to. But what's interesting is like, yeah, there's that parallel too. So they have this, they have this big friggin' hit album. I mean, it's the saddest story in the world. They they're 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 about to they're about to go to Europe. And it's funny, you know, I was I was asking Jack Grisham from TSOL about it because I knew that he was around the same scene. He was in the Joy Killer. He was supposed to be on tour with Sublime, he was telling me. He was supposed to him and the Joy Killer were on a package tour with Sublime in Europe, and I believe no use for a name. They ended up selling Sublime's merch and sending it back to 
to to Troy, at least as far as I understand, something like that. So really interesting that um, this band is about to explode. Everybody is going to know this band. They're going to be in every household you could imaginable, you know, mainstream rock radio. And the lead singer has tragically passed away due to a heroin overdose. Crazy, 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 crazy. And now, so, so again, like, as I was saying, you have these cookie cutters that are out there making derivative sublime music, but the idea like Bud and Eric have not, you know, they did the long beach, the long beach dub all-star thing, which is okay for what it is, but it's not sublime. Like it's not like the idea of like this, this fusion three piece, you know, punk reggae ska trio is, is extinct. There's no, who's going to replace Brad? Nobody. They could, you know, they could have had a, now here's the thing. What here, what is the right thing to have done? What could they have done? An alternative universe situation that really isn't really alternative because they kind of did do this in 2009. They actually followed through with it. What could they have done right after Brad had died? They could have done in 2009 or what they'd done in 2009. They could have done right after Brad died. However, like the shock and devastating loss of losing not only your best friend, but the, the front man and, and sort of like the, 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 the man behind like all the stuff. And, you know, he has since been canonized as, you know, a saint, a patron saint, just in the same way as Joey Ramone and, you know, Sid Vicious and all these people who tragically died too young, John Lennon, Bradley Noel sits up there with all of them, especially, well, especially in the realm of like, you know, sublime fans. It's like this, you know, can do no wrong saintly guy. But the reality was, you know, Bradley was, you know, Bradley had problems. He had, he had, he had drug addiction problems and he ultimately ended himself before his band could take off. And it's like, you have to think again, and all this is trying to like contextualize and understand what happens in 2009 with, with sublime with, with when with sublime quote unquote playing the show with this new guy, Rome, it's like, your big break happens. You're make you're selling millions of albums and you literally can't tour. You literally can't tour because your, 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 your friend and bandmate is gone. And the, you have to retire the name and you can never do what you set out to do and take over the world. I mean, how frustrating that must be to let that stew and fester for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere comes this kid Rome, who grew up on your music and kind of vaguely has like a, a Bradley vibe energy to him, has a, a really great, you have a great chemistry with him. And suddenly you're thinking, you're thinking in your head, man, we can be sublime again. Let's do it. It's like Bradley's never coming back. Like we're, we're here. Like let's keep. There are bands out there like Badfish, who I've seen many times. Badfish, the, the I, I used to be on their street team. In fact, when I was in college, Badfish is one of the best Sublime cover bands endorsed by Brad Gaw as well. Drummer of Sublime. It's like Bud and Eric are like, like, shit, here's a cover band making over $1.5 million annually 
touring on our music. Why can't we do that? And, you know, obviously, like, again, with the Misfits, like with any of these situations, why do people continue after the element that makes them what they are is gone? Why do they continue? They continue because it's easier to continue with an established brand that's going to command a higher guarantee and more money and get you a record deal and get your foot through the door than it is to start from scratch. And those guys gave it good, hard college tries. They did. They, they did so many things before they decided to reform as sublime. Uh, after the long beach short bus, sorry, the long beach dub all stars was the long beach short bus, which featured bud, uh, sorry, Eric and, Ross, the who's kind of like the 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 diet Bradley in in Long Beach Dub All Stars, and you know and there was this other guy Opie Opie who who drew the sun. He was also a singer, and Tim Wu and Marshall Field Marshall Goodman, who is also a sublime drummer as well. Um, in fact, it's it's actually Marshall who kind of co-wrote he co-wrote and played drums on every single 40 ounce to freedom track that wasn't from job ja won't pay the bills. So bud never was, wasn't around for the recording of 40 ounce to freedom. He was, he was in rehab and he like kind of like got turned on to Jesus or something. He was off like doing his thing and they brought in, they brought in uh Marshall Goodman to record and, and play as, you know, play do, you know, be, be a part of sublime point being, what was my point with that? I don't remember what it was, what I was trying to, to get out. The point being is that they, they did a lot of things to get, they did a lot of things separately in trying to move on. They did the long beach short bus, Ross and Ross and uh, Eric did the long beach short bus. And bud, he was in a band called eyes adrift, which is an interesting super group noteworthy for the fact that it had cursed from Nirvana and Kirk from Kurt, Kurt from the meat puppets, three bands that were all three pieces that all had uh, a mainstream success in the nineties and all had lost a member in the case of Nirvana and sublime the front man through self-inflicted trauma. Uh, nonetheless, very interesting. I don't know how Kurt died. Um, not Kurt. Uh, sorry. The, the other guy, there's there another guy from the meat puppets who passed away. Am I making that up? Maybe I'm making that up. I don't think I am. So point being, they tried, they tried to do a lot of things. Then there was volcano, which had Miguel, um, Michael Hapapult, right on uh, guitar up front. Um, that they did one album called Volcano as a group. Eric had a band called Little Wing where he was drumming. He was a drummer for a while. Um, Bud started a band with his wife at the time called uh, Delmar. And there was also the rat, uh, sorry, something Mount Aaron and the Rat Finks or something. There was also Fill in the Blanks. That was another band that Bud was doing. They're doing a lot of stuff. And then they meet this guy, Rome. Eric meets Rome and starts covering sublime songs with him in a studio and they start jamming and it feels right. And they decide let's play a show as sublime, which was absolutely, you know, sacrilege. It was, but at the time it was exciting. 
because so desperately did I want to hear the people, you know, who were a part of Sublime. I wanted them to be playing Sublime music in some sort of Sublime project. I wanted there to be some sort of legitimate heir to the Sublime throne doing something that was Sublime. Now, I just want to take a brief moment to, to a sidebar for a minute to talk about Jacob Noel. And the reason why I even bring him up and not for the reasons you're thinking, Jacob Noel has to contend with this very sort of strange, you know, history. He has to, you know, he never really knew his dad who, you know, he knew his dad when he was a baby. He doesn't remember his father. And yet, almost foisted upon him in a variety of ways. And again, I don't want to, I don't know what he, what is where he is mentally or what he is with this stuff today, but just this idea that there are so many people that I've seen this in front, you know, through the internet, just like so many people who are like, you need to replace your own, your father in your father's band. Like that's such a weird thing to like, like to put on a guy who like, has his own musical sensibilities, his own musical taste. And you know, what's funny about Jake. He's so, he's so utterly like original. He like, here's the thing. He's so utterly original in what he does. And yet somehow manages to genuinely distill his father's sound. He's obviously his father. He got to know his father through his father's music. Right. He's talked about how sublime was always on in my house. So like he knows his father through his father's music. He learned how to play guitar. He's so clearly influenced by his father without trying to be. If ever there was a guy who was so set up to be like, yeah, dude, I'm just going to play my dad's music and blah, blah, blah. And do like, it would be a guy like Jake. And instead he strikes out with it. He strikes out on his own with his own original music, his own original sound. So what's funny is that itch I was referring to about like the, the natural successor to sublime. It eventually came in the form of Jake without Jake calling himself sublime, which would be so cringeworthy. It would be yes. Kind of like Sean Lennon, a little bit, Aaron, a little bit, kind of like Sean Lennon. Yep. 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 It would be so cringeworthy for like, well, I feel like it'd be so cringe for like Bud and Eric to like legitimately take Jake out. I'm sure it's been entertained or floated by someone somewhere. I remember a podcast with Todd Z-Man, Todd Zalkins, where he's like trying to pitch Jake live on the air about like, hey, you should step in and sing for your father, like be the front man of your father's band. And, it, I, you know, I don't know if it made him uncomfortable. It seemed like it made him really uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable. I felt cringy for, for Jake. Like, I felt bad. I legitimately had some serious codependent feelings of, like, wow, way to fucking input. Like, talk about, like, inputting something, imprinting something on someone who's a completely different individual with different, like, likes and ideas and tastes. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. It just kind of bummed me out to hear him say that, you know, but the irony and the reason why I'm bringing up Jake at all is because as it turns out, he literally like, you know, when you listen to law, man, like that early law stuff that he did, mild autism. I mean, they, they sound so like they sound super fresh. They have a sublime vibe to the songs, but not like intending. You could so tell like it, they're not trying hard. 
in the best way possible. It's like, hey, we're like some of our sound is clearly influenced by Sublime, but we're so not even like making it a thing. It's just like it just happens to hey, I'm the son of the fucking guy. My voice sounds like the fucking guy. It sounds just like his dad. And now, man, I've I've followed Jake and Law and all that stuff, and I just love where he's going musically. I think he's awesome. I, I saw him covering Hey Ya by fucking Outcast. I thought it was so rad. It was just so great. Go check it out. We actually watched it on the channel. Um, he's just he's got like a drum machine. He's just doing Hey Ya, and he's doing the same thing that his father, like all that riffing and skanking and this, that, and the other, and freestyling. Like he just does it, but it doesn't feel fake or forced like all these other cookie cutter wannabe bands he just is doing it because it's in his dna to fucking do it you know but he's not going around be like hey hey i'm sublime jr i'm sublime jr like he's legitimately just doing the coolest thing ever and i'm super stoked for that guy but in 2009 that hadn't come yet so it's like there's this big void and bud and eric decide Hey, let's fill it. Let's fucking fill it. Let's fill it with this guy, Rome. Now, about Rome for a minute. I just want to put this on Front Street here. I got no problem with Rome musically, okay? I like Rome. I like his singing. I think he's a good guitar player. I think he's a good songwriter. I think that he's capable of channeling that sublime energy in his own kind of way with Eric. I've got no problem on that level. I got no problem with Sublime with Rome. The the band, Eric, Bud, and Rome, great band, great trio, great energy. Awesome. Where things become problematic, what really makes it problematic, what really fucks everything up is them calling themselves Sublime or Sublime with Rome. Now, initially... When they called themselves Sublime with no Rome afterwards, they were hit with a lawsuit or an injunction or something by the Noel family. Because as it turns out, motherfucking Bradley had, you know, behind the scenes, had behind the scenes like trademarked the name or something. The family had the legal right to the name. And they put in a case like, hey, and then they eventually reached the settlement. And this is where money, you know, again, when you think about like, why is it that <clears throat> what prevents two countries from attacking each other? Fucking McDonald's, man. Like when there's money to be made, everybody's chill. And the reality was, is I they licensed the name from the Noels. I don't remember what the exact terms were, but I believe they were getting six figures a year for the leasing of that name everybody's happy uh, at least uh, all 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 affirmation parties are happy the fans are not happy to the fans it's kind of a travesty now i remember when they were coming around to play and i was i almost went to go see them when bud was still in the band and i'll be honest i regretfully wish that i had like i wish i did it i wish i didn't sit it out i was kind of scratch they were playing with 311 and i was like i like 311 too you know yeah that's just the white boy in me you know, um, just the uh, it's just so, such a fucking like I can't describe it, whatever. It's just, just stereotypes, man. Stereotypes. So it's like 
it's like uh, they were playing with three. I was like, what? A, that's a good package, man. I'll go see that. So they're playing in Long Beach, uh, New York, you know, um, Long Island. And uh, and I just missed it. I was like, I didn't end up going. I was like, eh, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I want to see. It. I was a little ambivalent. And then right after that, Bud leaves the band. So this is like December 2011. So I was probably summer 2011. And then December 2011, Bud quits. And he cited many reasons as to why he was replaced by Josh Freeze, one of the greatest session professional drummers of all time. Josh Freeze. Josh is indeed one talented dude. This guy has played with everybody. I can't even list all of the people. I mean, I'll try. Fucking Foo Fighters, Guns N' Roses, uh, Perfect Circles, Sublime with Rome. Um, fucking uh, uh, uh nine inch nails devo i mean the guy just uh, he's just played with everybody you could imagine he's just he's just one of those drummers man uh, he was in the van was he in the vandals no he wasn't in the vandals who was he was in a punk band too um right replacements he's in the replacements you know he's he's in he's just in a lot of he just has drummed in a lot of fucking bands right he replaces bud and suddenly this problematic thing becomes even more problematic but before we get there what could they have done because like i said uh oh i was right he was in the vandals yes i knew that um what could have what could bud and and, and eric have done now mind you again let me just reiterate here two guys who had a multi-platinum selling record, who never got to fucking taste the success. They never got to tour their own music. They never got to do it. They did it a little bit. They played a couple of covers in, played a couple of Sublime songs in Long Beach Dub All-Stars. When I went to go see the Long Beach Short Bus, they did three Sublime songs. I got to meet Eric. That was pretty cool. That was 2005 at the Red Lion in the West Village, New York. Um but they never got to really be sublime on any kind of major scale. And now it had been some 14 ish years and there was a whole new group of people, the whole new generation of fans discovering sublime. So the motivation to play out as sublime, like comparatively to the misfits who are like, you know, Jerry's like this Christ, the conqueror thing is not working out. It's better to call myself. I want to be the misfits. Although at the same time, also again, another example of like, I net like we are, the misfits are huge and we're no longer a band. It's like, I want to experience that. And I put in all the hours and the hard work and the, the, the time and, and effort when, when I was a young youngster, when I was a youth, in 83 and now i want to reap that reward in 95 and he most certainly him and doyle most certainly did and they got paid you know and you know again good for them but why not call yourself another name well because you're not your guarantees aren't going to be as good but whatever there's a there's an air of legitimacy that you get an air of respect from the fan base when you change your name if you change your name you have to work twice as hard, but you need to friggin' but if you change your name and you and you pull it off, you know, look at no look no further than fucking Joy Division. We've talked about this topic a lot, like this topic of changing personnel and determining what you how you 
justify calling yourself or not calling yourself that band name. In the case of Joy Division, Ian Curtis did what he did, and the rest of the members of Joy Division were like, we will continue on as a band, but we are no longer Joy Division. We are now New Order. And it made a lot of sense. Another fantastic example of this is the Minutemen, D. Boone, Mike Watt, speaking of, of, of sublime influences, Mike Watt and the Minutemen. Um, D. Boone dies in December in 85, and the band is over. And then all of a sudden, the, the bass player and the drummer, George, George is the drummer, they get approached by this uber huge Minuteman fan who wants, who, who's basically trying to get them to play again as a three piece. And they're never going to call themselves the Minutemen again because the Minutemen included D Boone and D Boone is dead. So what do you call yourself? Firehose. That's right. They call themselves Firehose. I'm actually looking them up real quick. Yeah, Ed Crawford was the guy who took over. It was George Hurley with Mike Watt. Um, they, it was after the accidental death of D Boone brought an end to Watt and Hurley's previous band, the Minutemen Crawford, a then 21 year old Ohio state student and Minuteman fan was invited up onto the roof of camper von Beethoven's van in Columbus, Ohio. Members of camper told Crawford a false rumor that Watt and Hurley were auditioning guitars for the band. Crawford, having found Watt's phone number in the phone book, called him up and expressed his desire to come out to California to play with them. Still mourning the loss of his best friend, Boone, Watt was, he loved this man so much, they, they never changed the strings on his guitar. The blood, D. Boone's blood is still rusted onto the guitar strings from the night of his last show when he died in the car accident. Um, Watt initially was not interested and had lost much of his desire to play music. However, Crawford's persistence eventually paid off when he showed up unannounced in San Pedro and asked Watt for the chance to come over and play for him. Watt eventually agreed, uh, and the two met with Crawford auditioning for Watt by playing him the Who's I'm One, as well as a few Minutemen songs. Impressed with Crawf Crawford's passion and enthusiasm, Watt and Hurley agreed to give the inexperienced quote-unquote kid from Ohio a shot, and the band was formed. Crawford quickly relocated to San Pedro, where he became known as Ed F-R-O-M oh, from Ohio, Ed from Ohio, and spent nine months sleeping under a desk in Watt's one-bedroom apartment. The name of the band was taken from a short film of Bob Dylan doing sub subterranean home homesick blues. Um, so there you have it. And they put out on SST records, they put out uh, a bunch of records. They did five records in total between the years of 1986 and 1993. And, um, and what's interesting, what, what's really interesting is they basically, you know, is it, are they the Minutemen? No. Is it, does it spring from, the foundation. Yes. I've seen this documentary. It's called we jam Econo about the Minutemen. It's fucking great documentary. Yes. Agreed. So the point being is that fire hose was never going to be the Minutemen. They couldn't be the Minutemen without D Boone, but they were able to take the Minutemen heart and spirit and energy 
and form something new on top of it. And they call themselves Firehose. So you have New Order and Firehose, two prime examples of bands. And there are many more that are not coming to my mind. Now, you have other examples where Black Sabbath continues to be Black Sabbath after Ozzy, whether you like it or not. Should they have changed their name? Probably, but they didn't. And Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules are two legitimate Black Sabbath albums, right? Eventually, when Ozzy did come back into Black Sabbath during reunion years, much later, the guys in Heaven and Hell did reform. Sorry, the guys in that in the Dio Sabbath did reform, but they called themselves Heaven and Hell, and it made a lot of sense, and it sort of really legitimate legitimized what it was they were doing. The Misfits, had they decided to not use the name, could have called themselves the Resurrected. They could have called themselves Dead Kings Rise. They they toyed with the idea of calling themselves them, which, by the way, them them is T H E and then M, which is where where you would search for them in a record store if you were looking for the Misfits. Get it? Them the Misfits. So you know uh, that would have worked. Just them them Misfits. You, I mean, it just it completes itself. How do you find a way to be the thing? In the case of Sublime with Rome, I've always thought. I've always said to myself, what's a good band name for Sublime with Rome? Secondhand Smoke. They should have gone out as Secondhand Smoke. They could have gone and called themselves Secondhand Smoke. In any case, Bud leaves when he and he admits in interviews, he says there's a piece of footage of him. You see how unhappy they are together at some K-Rock thing. And it's the final time that they're all going to be together. And um you know, he cites a, a bunch of reasons that, you know, um, they have a manager named Frankie Cheese that comes out to play songs with them. And he doesn't, you know, something that Bud is against. And, uh, you know, backstage passes give, being given out to groupies, uh, Rome and, and Frankie Cheese's groupies and stuff. Is his name Frankie Cheese? Whatever, the manager guy, the manager of Sublime with Rome, all the, all this different stuff. And, and he find, and Bud realized, like, this doesn't feel right. They put out an album called Yours Truly. And apart from, does it sound like Bradley exactly? No, but the music is great. And there are certain songs on yours truly. I don't care what, I don't care what anybody says. There are certain songs on yours truly that absolutely feel like the natural progression of what Sublime would be recording in the year 2009 or 2011 or whatever had they not dissolved because of Bradley's death. It was produced by Paul Leary. So you have a lot of the personnel that played on that sublime self-titled album has now made this album yours truly. It's a great album. What's the biggest problem with it? It's called Sublime with Rome. Why not use the name Secondhand Smoke? Call yourself Secondhand Smoke. Perfect name for a sublime derivative band, for a band that's that that's just like Firehose, man. Just just fucking secondhand smoke. That's what they could have done. So from 2017 to so so then from 2012 to 2017 they release another album with Josh Freeze um K-Rock calls him a hack I don't know anything about this this is a sublime wiki and I asked on the side I asked like why and I don't know why Josh Freeze ended up leaving Sublime with Rome but according to this timeline here Josh uh leaves the band abruptly and is replaced from by a guy named Carlos from the Tribal Seeds. They put out another record. So there's three records out now 
by 2017, 2018, there's three records out, and now they're they're working on their fourth record, which is due to come out very, very soon. Maybe they actually made that fourth record. How many records has Sublime with Rome made? Let's just double check that real quick. Uh, let's see what is said. Bud says, by the way, in hindsight, I would not have used the name. I did not want to in the first place. I was talked into it, and I would like to apologize to certain people and fans for trying to justify justify or talk them into it as well. Uh, he says, when uh, asked about how it was playing Sublime songs again, it was really good for the first few months. After that, it just felt wrong, not playing the songs, but playing them with the name Sublime without Brad. And then when asked if he saw the band reuniting in the future, Ga, Ga replied, no, I'm done with SWR. I would be into playing music with Eric Wilson, however. So quite clearly, you know, um, Eric's, you know, he's like, I'm going to continue on as, you know, doing Sublime with Rome. But, you know, uh, that that the that the issue here, the acrimony uh, had to do with Rome and not as much Eric, maybe. I mean, who knows? Maybe Eric is like an incredibly like passive kind of guy, uh, you know, in, in relation to to all this stuff. So, yeah, they did. They put out three albums. Sirens and Blessings are the, are the two albums that came after it with Josh Freeze and, and the other guy, Carlos. And they're they are just such a uh, I don't know. I, I honestly I haven't listened. I've listened to them each once when they came out and I didn't even give them a second thought after that. I really should go back and just listen to the whole discography and just give it another appraisal. I'm sure I'll find stuff that I like. I like Eric Wilson as a musician. I like Rome as a musician. I do think, however, one thing I did remember, and I'm not talking about yours truly. I'm talking about after that. I really got the feeling that they were just, they were trying, it's like they were trying to chase the dragon. They were trying to write sublime music. And that that's kind of cringe a little bit. It's kind of like, you know, you're going to do your thing, do your thing, but don't try and like, like, you know, emulate the brain of, of a dead, dead rock star. That was your friend. But again, sirens as a, as a, as a album by a band called secondhand smoke. I got no problem with that Blessings, Same thing. It's just this name because what is ultimately when you name something, when you give something the same name as something else, and it's not the same thing, you invite comparison. And that's what they, that's what all these bands do. That's what Jerry only did. That's what Eric Wilson has done. Funny how it's the bass players. Uh, another parallel there. It's like you invite people to weigh in and compare and appraise your situation. It's nobody's fucking business. If Eric wants to go out and play songs as sublime, whether we like it or not, it's nobody's fucking business, but Eric Wilson's right. And clearly Eric Wilson is all about, playing sublime with Rome. And that's just what it is. So this guy, Carlos replaces them. And then, and then right. Uh, TSL is another example of a band. And, you know, that's, a, we've talked a little bit about that history. And, you know, I mean, the, by the end of, by the end Things had run so well. It's funny, actually, because I guess TSOL has the same that same thing in common with Sublime with Rome now. Because by the end of Sublime, by the end of TSOL, that initial run of whatever you would consider the band or the continuation of the band, whether you think it's the band or not, by the end of that, 
there were no original members left. All the original members had gone, were gone out of TSOL. You had four completely different people who were not there from the founding of the band or writers in the, the band who became and owned the trademark to TSOL. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. So to continue on, Carlos abruptly leaves, and then he's replaced by this new guy, Jason. And now that brings us up to present day, where Sublime with Rome releases this statement, and it is just such a bananas. It's so bananas. This is what they say. Dear fans, while out on a summer tour, our bassist, Eric Wilson, and I love how it's like our bassist. Like Eric Wilson is the fucking one guy who was in Sublime, okay? He's kind of the fuck. I mean, he's the band. Eric Wilson, unfortunately, encountered a, a significant shoulder injury that required immediate surgery. We want you to know that our commitment to our fans remains as strong as ever, and we are fully dedicated to delivering our best performances until Eric is back in full health. During this challenging period, we find ourselves incredibly fortunate to have two remarkable ta talents to step in and handle base duties. One is Stu Brooks, known for his work with Danny Alfman and Dub Trio, and the very fucking awesome, fucking amazing bass player, Tony Canal from No Doubt. Their support allows us to continue sharing the music that you love. Our hearts go out to Eric as he embarks on his path to a swift recovery. We can't wait to reunite with all of you on the road, doing what we love and sharing the music with sincere appreciation, sublime with Rome. So it's like, it sounds like it's somebody who's not Eric talking about Eric. Why is this not coming from Eric? Or why is Eric not at the forefront of this? Because this just, it's like, there's no original members in the band. There's no original. There's a band calling themselves sublime with Rome. And there's not a single person who was there. That was at the fucking start of the band sublime. You can't like, you couldn't call yourself sublime with Rome. Even when you had fucking bud and Eric in the band. Now you're calling yourself sublime with Rome and there's nobody in the band. What the fuck is this bullshit? This is bullshit, man. Like I said, I can get behind Rome musically and them playing music and them playing sublime music. And I never had a problem with them playing sublime music. I had a huge problem with them calling themselves sublime with Rome. This invites comparison. And that's how you get all of these debates and the, this polarization. But it's such a strange note, the way that Eric is phrased. And then this Tony Canal leaves me super conflicted too because Tony knew Sublime. Tony used to play shows with Sublime. You know, like he is someone, he brings an air of old school legitimacy. How do I phrase this? Just because he's playing bass does not A, make it sublime with Rome or make it sublime. But B, it's just kind of like it's confusing. It's like a confusing, conflicting thing. So it's like, oh, he's from No Doubt. No Doubt used to play with Sublime and like Tony's awesome and he'll do a great job. But it's like at the same time, it's like it'd be cool if Tony was in, a, in the band with Eric and Rome and maybe they called themselves something else. And I know Tony's not really doing nothing. Yeah, they were doing Dream Car 
when Gwen was on her solo thing, but yeah, they had, they had Davy Davy havoc from AFI as the front man. It's like son of Sam, <laughs> son of Sam, but with friggin', uh, <laughs> that's really funny. It's like son of Sam, but with, uh, 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 uh no doubt instead. Isn't that interesting? So the point is, is that even having Tony Canal in the band, it doesn't make it okay, even though Tony Canal is super friggin' cool and an awesome dude. And, you know, on some level, maybe it's also a PR move. It's like saying, hey, um, look at this old school dude. He is cool with what's happening right now. And, you know, we're happy to help, happy to help them move forward. Ultimately, none of this is okay. This is stupid. This is, as I said in the title, this is stupid. For all the reasons I mentioned before, you can't call yourself Sublime with Rome anymore. And here's the thing. Any other band, any other band could probably legitimately say, hey, like we book these shows. We can't break these contracts. People are depending on us. You know, there's a whole road crew that has to work and eat. The show must go on. And, you know, 98% of the time getting someone to fill in. I mean, there are some bands like the Stranglers, for instance, before the drummer died, the drummer was super old. He stopped touring with the band. He was a, he was a, a ceremony. He was still a member of the band, but he was not, he was not on the road with them anymore, you know? So it's like, it's like there is a legitimate like the, there's a legitimate like so there's a legitimacy to wanting to go out and meet your obligations contractually as well as you know not disappoint the fans but in your particular case sublime with rome you can't do that you you are not afforded that luxury because you only had one member from the original band in the band you can't call yourself sublime you can't. You, I mean, you can't call yourself sublime with Rome. You got to call yourself something else. You just got to. And it's just a shame. Think about how all of this goes away with a name change like, like secondhand smoke. Suddenly, yes, there still be comparisons to sublime, but nobody is scrutinizing. Nobody is staring it down as some sort of injustice to a dead man's memory. And, you know, I'm kind of of the belief, too, of like, it's like, dude, you know, you 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 did this to yourself, Brad, and now you you left these guys up Shit's Creek without a paddle like they deserve the right to go out and they, you know, go out and play their music. Even if it's not as the name sublime, like that, that that motivation is pure to me no matter whether they did something right or wrong using that name it was a pure motivation so ultimately now they are going to go out and they're just going to go out with rome why not call yourselves i guess because they have tickets and sales and contracts and so that's what it really is that's what this comes down to they probably sign contracts and they can't it would be too costly it's easier for them to to just play out the obligations and that's how this is being framed Eric is not permanently gone, at least not, 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 not that we know of. And that's how they're choosing to sort of frame it as like, you know, we're just filling in, you know, the Beatles did it. The Beatles did it with Jimmy nickel. Um, 
when when Ringo had a had a surgery on his mouth, he had to get his tonsils out. You know, people, it does happen. It it does happen. It, you, you do want you don't want to balk balk at your obligations, but at the same, but at the same time, at the same time, on some level, it's almost fraud to go out and call yourself sublime with Rome and not even have fucking Eric Wilson playing with you live. And I mean, that's ultimately where, where it leaves us right now. So Eric is out of commission for a while. Um, they got this new drummer and they got two new guys to handle bass duties. And, uh, and that's it. And that's it. If they're going to, if they play together, they're going to sound like sublime. Yeah. I mean, to an extent, it's a sticky situation and you know what else is sticky? Friggin riot stickers, the sponsor of the from his channel. You can get a thousand stickers for $79. Uh, these stickers are printed on vinyl and they have a UV coating that protects them from the sun. And if you use the, if you go to the link in the description, you can't find this link anywhere else. You can get a thousand stickers for seventy nine dollars. Okay, you go to ridestickers.com backslash frumess f r u m e s s. That's what you do. That's how you do it. Ridestickers.com backslash frumess to get this incredible deal. Let's listen to the theme song from the Less Than Jake Guy, and we will wrap up the show. And we are back. So, yes, thank you for the skulls. Please make sure to leave some skulls in the comments or in the live chat if you have not done already. Because we um, we need skulls, man. We need skulls to hang on our wall. You know, um, yeah, you should buy some stickers, right? Stickers could always use um, more customers. So make sure to use the Frumis deal. Get a thousand stickers for seventy nine dollars. You could print up a sticker that says it's wrong for Rome Ramirez to go out as sublime with Rome without Eric Wilson. I can't believe I'm even saying that because that that's also a cop out too, man. Like, geez, um, that's also a cop out too, man. They they should just they should just use a new name. But listen, everybody's making money, and like I said, when you're making money. When you're making money, it's okay to be funny. When you're making money, everything's honey. That's that's the rhyme. That's that's the truth, man. You 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 can you the, the the everybody's stoked because money's being made. The the Noel family, all that money's probably going to Bradley's house. 
Bradley's House is a nonprofit for uh, musicians that suffer from uh, op opioid addiction. You know, everybody found their their happy their happy medium, their happy their equilibrium, and you know, there's no there's no more injunctions or fighting now that it was really just about getting paid. Um, the thing that that Sublime Wiki put at the bottom here, you know, and again, this is some of that venerating of Brad as like a, a, a saint, a martyr or whatever. Sublime returned in 2009 without its soul singer, songwriter and composer. Uh, you can't say soul singer. He wasn't the sole songwriter and composer. Bradley had help. He had a lot of help. The return of Sublime without Bradley Noel was an action directly against the dead man's wishes. We are now left with a true Frankenstein monster. Rest in peace, Brad. You know, the other thing, too, is the other missing pieces. You know, there is another member of Sublime we have not acknowledged at this point, and that is Miguel. Miguel in the studio was the fourth member of Sublime. He also was the fourth member of Sublime Live playing a second guitar. And boy, did he fill out the sound in the best way imaginable. There's a great version of DJs with Kelly Vargas on drums and Miguel on second guitar. And he just adds so much to the sound. This is like a, a pre-heroin um, Brad, or at least Brad just started tying on. So he's, you know, not what he would become in 93 and 94. He's still kind of with it. And, you know, there's this whole, the whole mythology about how he wanted to be a tortured artist by taking heroin and thought it would make him more creative. And, you know, the reality is that's also kind of a cop out too. I mean, yes, he was an addict and yes, he had addiction issues, but he also kind of like, it's like he forced himself into this box because he wanted to be this tortured artist. I kind of, you know, when I was younger, I sort of romantically like looked at that upon that as tragedy, but as an adult, I, I see it differently, man. I just don't see it the same. I don't see it in the same exact kind of way that I once did. But you had Miguel as this fourth member. Now, there's some version, there's some alternate universe where Miguel steps into Bradley's role either before Rome Ramirez or the way he did with Volcano with, with Bud as Mike Stand or after Rome. And, you know, I think Miguel is very upset and does not endorse or co-sign or acknowledge, you know, Sublime with Rome much, if at all. You even wrote that song, the last ska song, where he kind of disses Sublime with Rome. And he said they even tried to do the band without you, something like that. It's like a, a letter to Bradley. Um, there's some alternate worlds where Mike comes in and maybe he's not the front man. Maybe it's still Rome, but he just sort of fills out the sound on the stage and it's the three of them. It's Bud, Mike and Eric with Rome and they call themselves second hand smoke. And they're just, I mean, that's, that's me like fan fan ficking, fan fictioning the whole situation. But just imagine some alternate reality where that happened and how awesome it would be. It would just be great. And then they go in and, you know, Miguel, he engineer and produces a new record utilizing a lot of the techniques they did with Brad. And again, as a different entity called secondhand smoke, everybody knows, okay, you're not calling yourself sublime respect, but if you want to see the closest thing to sublime, go see secondhand smoke.
it makes sense. It makes so much sense. And, you know, <laughs> I like that, Aaron. Aaron says, takes take out orange chicken almost as good as skulls. That's kind of true. It's kind of true. Um, so it's, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, didn't. But ultimately, this is just terrible. And it's interesting to me that they're playing with Slightly Stupid, who probably like it because it's good for ticket sales. That, you know, even Slightly Stupid is eating off the sublime name. It's kind of a bummer, actually. How do these people justify? I know Troy and Jim Noel and the like are are cool with this because they're getting paid. They're making money. But like, what about, what about, you know, what about every, what about everybody? Like, I don't know. It, it just, it just doesn't work, man. It just doesn't fucking work. It's just a bummer. It's a real bummer. Um, like, I wonder in my head, I'm like, what do the zigging guys think about this? What does Miguel think about this? What are some of the Long Beach Dub All-Star guys? You know, what does, what did, what did Jake think about this? I, I do know there was some sort of tension between Jake and Rome at one point, I think something like that. Cause Rome was walking around saying that he's the singer of sublime, not singer of sublime with Rome when Jake was like a teenager, no less. So I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm hope I wish Eric a full recovery. I hope he does return to the band sublime with Rome because it's not, I mean, you really, you couldn't use the name sublime before you really can't use the name sublime when there's not a single original member in the band, much like TSOL, you know, at that time. And what happened with TSOL, the original guys, they came back and they fought. And you know what was ironic is that the lead singer, the second lead singer, was Jack's brother-in-law of all people. What a weird, interesting history. His own brother-in-law takes over singing in his band and then eventually owns the trademark. I mean, just it's just you know, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. You couldn't write something that twisted. And I guess it's the same with Sublime with Rome to an extent. Now you know, I was on the fence about seeing them with Bud before, but now would I ever go to see them? Like, I don't think ever. I mean, I guess maybe if I wanted to hear Sublime song set, like whatever. Okay, fine. Like if I had to choose between Bad Fish and Sublime with Rome, I guess maybe I would, maybe I would see Sublime with Rome. Like I said, I don't mind Rome singing and playing and all that. I just hate that they... I hate that they call themselves sublime. And, you know, it's amazing how the, there are just so many fans that rush to their defense. They're keeping the music alive. It's not the same band. It's like, there's all this, there's all this like legitimacy that, or that's all about like a legitimacy of some kind. I don't know. So where do you stand on this issue? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think Eric Wilson will be back? I imagine he has to come back. How could they imagine if Eric Wilson permanently sat out of sublime with Rome and suddenly, this guy, Rome Ramirez, is in fucking control of Sublime with Rome. It's so fucking bizarre, dude. Why call yourself that? It just doesn't fucking work. It does not work. I wish, I bet there's so much more to the backstory that Budga is not, you know, telling people like about what happened, how that all came to be. And it's a weird thing with Eric, too, because like Eric is quite clearly, you know, he seems to be 
you know, the one that is driving, he's still driving all of this. He's the link from the, the past and the future, or he's the link from the past to the present. Like, I mean, it's not all Rome here. You can't put all the blame on Rome. But like I said before, and I'll close with this, I understand the obligation to wanting to meet your obligations for contracts and touring and people are depending for you to eat, but you are literally peddling a false statement by calling yourself sublime with Rome without having an original member. Bottom line. And I guess that's all I got. That's all I got tonight. So with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. What did you think? Do you like this? Do you want to see more? sublime shows should we talk more about sublime was this enough sublime do we want to do more sublime is there more to explore i don't know i guess this kind of proves that we can have a long-form conversation about sublime i wasn't sure if we could but at the same time i also feel like we kind of said everything that needed to be said and that needed to say that was interesting aaron says eric will come back I and mean, he has to he has to I feel like someone could sue them for false advertising. I mean, it's just crazy to me. It's so crazy. Uh, like I said, look, subscribe, leave a comment, leave me your skull in the live comment, in the live chat, as well as the comments down below. We'll see you next time. Peace. Hair grease. You know all the rest. Bada bing, bada boom. Lord have this grilled cheese.